Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on this Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox off tonight, swept in the mini two-game set by the Yankees, falling further into last place. Joining us now to talk Red Sox, Yankees, and all things baseball is our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, how are you? I'm doing great. What's going on, Brady? Well, appreciate you being with us as always. We'll get to baseball in a second, but curious, have you uh, printed up your, uh, have you printed out your Vikings uh, playoff tickets yet? Uh, I, I must say I, I'm in kind of in a quandary because, as you know, going into the, the season, my feeling was the Vikings were locked in mediocrity and they come out with this opening incredible performance <laughs> against the Packers and people are talking about how good they look. And, and I, I sort of feel guilty about jumping on the bandwagon of the team I've rooted for as a kid. But on the other hand, I've been tortured for so long by them. Maybe I shouldn't feel guilty, right? They've never won a Super Bowl. They're 0 for 4 in my lifetime. Let's go. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Hey, it's certainly not the year for the Red Sox. Let's talk a little Aaron Judge. We've talked you know, a bit about Judge and the Red Sox fit over the last couple of months, but I am curious about this. I personally am of the camp that he is not a good investment for the Red Sox at 10 years and $350 million. But I am of the mind he's a great investment for the short term. I'm just curious. Do you think a one-year $55 million deal or a three-year $150 million deal, is that something in the realm that he and his representation would consider, or does it have to be length-driven? Well, uh, first off, it's interesting you mentioned, you know, is this something that Judge and his representation would consider? Um, you and I have been around baseball long enough to know that there's a perception in some cases, like with Scott Boris, that he tends to drive the, the ship when it comes to decisions by the client. In this case, this is all Aaron Judge. He absolutely controls his relationship, uh, I think, with his uh, agent. My sense is, is that he's looking for the big long-term deal that, you know, the number of year, years is going to be really important. Um, I, I personally, I think if the Red Sox are prepared to overpay for any player and essentially hand a blank check to someone, they should do it with Raphael Devers, who's five years younger than Judge. Let's talk a little bit about Scott Boris, too, because we had an interesting talk yesterday with Tom Karen of Nesson, and we were talking about Xander Bogarts. It's pretty apparent that Xander Bogarts wants to come back to Boston. But TC said his fear is that Scott Boris will start his conversations with Bogarts by kind of poisoning the water in Boston to get him open to looking at other teams. Is that just an irrational fear by TC, or is that how agents do this kind of thing? Well, there's no doubt that in a lot of cases you hear stories about how you know, agents like to, to point out to their clients where, you know, the agents portrays the team as being disrespectful or not, uh, you know, not uh, acting on the best in, in the best interest of the player. I would say in this case, the Red Sox have poisoned the well. Hmm. <laughs> like the Red Sox don't need any help because you and I talked about this in the spring when they made a one-year extension offer to Bogarts. Uh, that really set a table for what I think would be a really difficult uh, negotiation unless either Xander or the team waves the white flag and makes this deal happen. Because you, know, you think about the Red Sox, you know, the, the amount of money left on the table for Bogarts after this year, three, plus six, or three years, $60 million, plus the one-year $30 million extension offer, was within a week after they gave Trevor Story $140 million. 
That was within a couple weeks after Javier Baez got $140 million. They offered $50 million less to Bogart. Hmm. So the question, you know, in talking with executives of other teams, if you're the Red Sox and you're in these negotiations, what's your next offer going to be? Because you certainly have postured in such a way that you're not going to be prepared, it doesn't seem like, to offer 160, 180, uh, you know, 200 million, which would represent a complete white flag from those early negotiations. Uh, and if you're Xander Bogarts and you sniffed your nose at 90 million and you saw Story and Baez get 140 million, can you accept anything less than, say, 150, 160? Would the Red Sox come close to that? I don't know. Uh, I, I think the I do think that the you know the water's poisoned for the talks between Bogarts and and, and Boston. Let's talk a little Nathan Evaldi because his representation and the Red Sox allegedly haven't spoken at all about a possible deal to bring him back. Do you think the Red Sox should be looking to bring Evaldi back, or should they be looking in other directions? Uh, look, it, it all would depend on the price. Um, you know, Evaldi is highly respected for his work ethic. Uh, you know, for how he has changed and evolved during the course of his career. Um, you know, you do have a, a situation where he's already had two Tommy John surgeries. Doctors have told me, as I told you in the past, that generally speaking, you look at a seven-year mark, uh, you know, from a Tommy John surgery as being the time when you enter danger zone. He's still kind of in the middle of that seven years, I believe. I think it's like five years since the second procedure. But that would have to be a concern. I think it would come down to, uh, you know, whether or not the Red Sox uh, are comfortable with the price that, uh, that's going to be out there. I think it's more likely that Michael Walk is someone that they, they take a hard uh, look at because of how good he's been this year. Buster Olney, ESPN MLB insider with us here on the Brady Farkas Show. Red Sox off today, back at it this weekend when they take on the Kansas City Royals. Hey, Buster, let's move to some of the national stuff, which we don't always get to here. Do you look at the the shift alterations? I won't call it a banning because you can still shift. You just have to do it more creatively. But do you look at the shift alterations as a cop-out to help mediocre players or is it a restoration of the way baseball, the way it was supposed to be played? Yeah, I, I think it's just purely uh, an artificial uh, device to try to improve offense. You know, that's where baseball's gotten to, where they want to increase not only pace, but they want to increase pace of action. And, you know, they feel like that uh, there's a general feeling that, you know, the, the big left-handed slugger who's been ripping balls into that first base hole for years has really been hurt. Uh, by the fact that, you know, you've, you've placed an infielder over in that hole. Now, I think you're right. There still will be shifts. I had A.J. Hinch, the manager of the Tigers, on my podcast uh, on Wednesday and, and mentioned the possibility that you're going to see some teams effectively feel the two-man outfield yeah. with the third outfielder being shifted into that hole uh, that where we, in recent years, have seen infielders. There's going to be a lot of creative decisions by teams on how to use defenders. But this is all about trying to juice the offense and trying to get some numbers back in because, as you know, it's been ugly in recent years. I, I completely agree with A.J. Hinch. Like, on Friday, I was so pumped about this, and by Monday I was thinking the exact same thing that he's thinking, so I, I am worried about that also. Another thing I do wonder about, though, I I kind of fear a casualty of this decision is that the pitch-to-contact guys are going to be weeded out. Like, 
the guys who now get around lack of stuff because you can put the defenders in a way that helps them out, those guys are going to be hurt. Um, is that a real fear that, that strikeouts are going to become more important and you're going to have to be able to K guys to get around lack of shifting and, you know, the Rich Hills and Marco Gonzalez's aren't going to be able to cut it as much? I think it's fair supposition. Uh, let's face it, every time they do some of these rule changes, there's unintended consequences. Um, you know, on the plus side, the, the infielders who've been protected uh, defensively by the shifts, they're going to be more exposed, and it might be more difficult for those guys. Uh, it might place a higher value on a very rangy infielder. You know, you've been hearing all year from the Red Sox about how good they feel like Trevor Story is defensively at second base. Maybe his value goes up. On the other hand, I think Bogarts would be a guy you probably would say he's been helped by the defensive shifts um, to some degree. So uh, there, there are going to be pluses and minuses throughout, uh, and I think you're right. I think teams might value the strikeout more, and, and uh, we've seen the sport trending toward that anyway. But now with, uh, without help coming from the infield, that might be a, a result. Are the Mets going to blow this in the National League East? Brady, I don't think they're blowing it. Um, I think it's a case of a great team playing out of their minds. I, I haven't looked at the updated numbers this morning, but I'm pretty sure since about June 1st, the Mets have been paying on a, uh, playing on a 95-win pace. Okay, So it's not like they're playing bad. And, uh, but on the other hand, the Braves have been playing at like a 115-win pace. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a defending champion that has seen this influx of rookies. Uh, you know, Spencer Strider. Uh, you know, their center fielder, Michael Harris, the second Vaughn Grissom, who's been uh, playing second base, you know, having all those guys back, seeing Ronald Acuna Jr. sort of get settled in as we uh, go through the season and he comes back from his knee surgery. That, that is a great team to a degree that I got to say, I'm already sort of locked in and no matter how the regular season ends and whether the Braves are a wild card team or they actually run down the Mets. In the National Yeast, I'm picking them to be the first repeat champions since the 98 to 2000 Yankees. Most disappointing team in baseball, White Sox or the Giants? You know, it's funny because we, we had the Giants in Sunday Baseball uh, last week. We're going to have them again on this week. I almost feel like that the, the Giants of 2021, who won uh, 107 games, that was simply an outlier uh, yeah. that was propped up. That team last year performed great, but they had real core stars in Buster Posey, future Hall of Famer, uh, I, you know, in, in Brandon Crawford, who had a tremendous offensive year, best offensive year of his career, Brandon Belt, and maybe it was a mistake by the Giants to count on the fact that they could hold it together despite losing all their guys. They're going to probably see the greatest drop in the number of wins for any 100-win team in the history of baseball, hmm. uh, you know, because they're going to wind up losing – you know, uh, more than uh, you know, more than half their games. Uh, the White Sox should be in that competition. I personally, as we go along here, I think the Red Sox are in the competition for the most disappointing team in baseball. You know, I I was reminded uh, over the weekend of a Bill Simmons tweet from the spring when I think the Red Sox over under was like eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, something in that range, and he took the over and he was like, "What kind of bad over under is that?" Like, and I don't mean to pick on Bill because I would have been in the same boat with him, but he's right. Uh, you know, in the spring, you would have thought they would have been a lot better than that. Instead, it looks like they're going to finish in last place in their division. So they've been pretty disappointing. 
Buster only. ESPN MLB Insider. Buster with us every single Thursday. Buster, appreciate your time. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we will uh, talk to you next week. Okay, Brady. Thanks for talking.